G'day guys, welcome to the New Spirit Podcast. Shrek here, massive episode today. Derek Tan, we're joined from by WA. He's an equine dental surgeon, veterinary surgeon by day. Mad Spiro slash Giyotaku slash cooking seafood chef type dude. He's really cool and he just loves and geeks out on this stuff. And uh, really cool to chat with him. He's passionate and a very interesting man. I really enjoy it. Um, if you want to come to today's show notes, noobspiro.com forward slash DT. But if uh, if you want to check out his Instagram, it's at Derek, D-E-R-Y-C-K dot Giyotaku, G-Y-O-T-A-K-U. Check his Instagram out. It's rad. He does some awesome stuff here. And uh, I really like how his uh, his art has grown and so has he. And um, he's making some super cool stuff. So anyway, we're going to get into that episode in just a second. A review out of Span, uh, Spain, Spain, Span. What the hell is wrong with me today? Anyway, he says, uh, Alvaro Perez Segnini says, Excelente. Consejos simples que ayudan inmensamente. Me gusto mucho, lo recomiendo 100%. I butchered the hell out of that. I'm sorry, buddy. Anyway, in English, the translation is simple tips that help immensely. I liked it very much. I recommend it 100%. So cheers for that review, Alvaro. Much appreciated. 99 tips to get better at spearfishing. It's on Amazon. There's a hardcover up there as well now. You can buy softcover, hardcover. You can get the audio book. If you want to get it for free, the audio book, go to noobspirit.com forward slash audible. Get a free trial of audible. You can get 99 tips to get better at spearfishing, the audio version on there for free. Check that out. Um, Nicholas sent me an email. He says, Turbo and Shrek, just finished your book, 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. To say the least, you've given me confidence in starting a new sport, just landing in WA. I was nervous to start in this particular arena. Although coming from a surfing, water skiing and fishing background, I wasn't too sure where to start. The keep it simple theory, stay with one gun and make small improvements has helped me gain confidence and motivation to dive along with the other 98 tips. Just wanted to... to shout out say thank you and great effort in creating some good content i'll be subscribing to the new story podcast in the near future so i hope you have nick because uh welcome aboard this is interviews with spearfishing experts authorities and characters from around the world and hey if you did get into 99 spear recipes which is a seafood cook uh cookbook actionable meals for the everyday diver that book will start coming out to you in april um due to the successful kickstarter campaign otherwise the rest of you suckers are just gonna have to wait no, no, I'm sorry. sorry about that. It should be up on shelves in spearing stores uh, on Amazon uh, about the middle of the year. So look, keep an eye out for that. But anyway, hey, let's get into today's episode, Derek Tan. Oh, hey, just quickly too, YouTube. Um, my man Brandon, who helps out with a lot of the audio and publishing stuff around Noob Spiro, fantastic fella in Cape Town. He is uh, putting together these videos that I'm narrating. They go on YouTube. It's called The Daily Dose of Spearfishing. Check it out on the Noob Spiro YouTube channel. Let's get into today's episode with DT, Derek Tan, my man. Adreno, stocks equipment for noobers. Your gear needs for all things freediving and spearfishing. The Adreno Spearfishing Team, froth on helping customers learn about the latest in equipment, local diving, upcoming trips and events for Spiros of all levels of experience. Visit them in store, everywhere, and chat to one of their friendly team members. Take advantage of the Noob Spiro discount code to save $20 on every purchase over $200. That's right, you can now use the code Noob Spiro, one word, in store or online at adreno.com.au or visit one of their stores, talk to one of the stoked frothing legends in one of their Adreno spearfishing stores today. Again, visit them at adreno.com.au. Use the code Noob Spiro. 
Neptonics was founded in 1996, making trigger mix in a barn in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Solid Gear That Works was their founding principle and it still rings true today in every pull of a Neptonics trigger, in every snap of a Neptonics band, and in every whiz of a Neptonics spear gun reel, singing with the power of another big fish. We had a great deal, you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off anything and everything at Neptonics.com. It's solid gear that works, equipment you can rely on. Save 10% off any order at Neptonics.com when you use the code NOOB10. So g'day guys, welcome back to the Noob Spirit Podcast. We're in for a bit of a treat today. It's Gear Taku by Derek, Derek Tan. It's uh, it's bloody good to get you on the show, mate, and, and have a chat with you. Hey, thanks, man. I'm very honored to be on your show. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> man, you you must love it. Like, um, you, you submitted like 10 recipes for the book. I th- I'm going to have to send you 10 copies now. <laughs> uh, yes, please. That'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> and then you I think and uh, your support's been really... Um, I've been really grateful for it, Derek. So thank, thank you so much. And uh, you're such a talented guy. Between what you do with seafood and then what you're doing there with Gyotaku as well. So I'm I'm looking forward to picking your brain a bit in this interview. If that's all right. Uh, it's not. A, there's not a lot to pick from. A bit. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit out of the. It's past the use uh, Best Buy date. It's not <laughs> yeah. Best Buy is where we past the Best Buy date. All right, well, I'm going to make um, the biggest of cultural faux pas normality questions that you probably get asked by Europeans, and that's what exactly is your heritage? You're not Japanese, Derek. No, I'm not Japanese. I'm Chinese. Okay. Uh, my grandfather came from China to Malaysia, um, and uh, I grew up in a little town called Kuching. Okay. So that's uh, East Malaysia. Um Island of Borneo, really. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people think I'm Malay because I'm from Malaysia, but I'm not. There's a lot of us Chinese. Uh, mm. We're everywhere, really. And yeah. uh, I'm Chinese from Malaysia. Okay, cool. Do you speak Chinese? I don't speak Mandarin very well. I okay. picture it. Um, but I speak the dialects very well. There's uh, the dialect of Teochew. I'm from that uh, clan. I'm, I'm Teochew. Okay. And uh, my mom's uh, Hokkien. Okay. And uh, so I do Hokkien as well as Teochew. Okay, cool. And um, like Asian cooking has inspired nearly a, like a lot of your seafood cooking style, but you've 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 cherry picked from all of the different um, like uh, cuisine families. I think would that be fair to say? Yeah. Um- I, I love food, so yeah. if it tickles my taste buds, I'll uh, I'll make use of it. Yeah, so cool. it's uh, cool. it's fusion. So unfortunately, it's not very pure anymore. But 100%. who cares if it tastes good? I'll eat it. You seem like a, a talented sort of fellow. So you're a, a, you're a, you're a vet as well. Is that right? Yeah, I'm an equine veterinarian. So okay. it's it's a bit strange because uh, you know when I'm at work, I save animals, but. Uh, when I'm not at work, I kill them and I eat them. <laughs> and sometimes make artwork out of them too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm an equine veterinarian by trade, yes. Yeah. So I think I was following along with your – your. you've got an Instagram page that's pretty much dedicated to your Gyotaku, which uh, you thankfully corrected my terrible pronunciation for before we started the show. Um, so Gyotaku by Derek. Um, did this – so your passion for seafood, your passion for Gyotaku, did it start when you started spearfishing? I mean, where did it, where did it all come from? Oh, long story, but I'll shorten it, I guess. Um, you don't have to. It's a long-form podcast. 
<laughs> okay, well, uh, for as long as I can remember, um, I've been obsessed with the ocean and marine life. And uh, my uncle, he built himself a boat back in the day. And he used to take us out for beach picnics kind of thing. And I loved wading in the rock pools. And uh, I would terrorize the inhabitants as a young kid, <laughs> the poor creatures. Um, so from the love of the ocean, um, I started uh, fishing, line fishing, as most people would. And um, I also started kayak fishing when I got to Perth. Mm. And uh, when I first, when I caught my first West Australian dewfish, um, I wanted to uh, remember it, have something to remember it by. So um, I, I was thinking, what could I do with it? And I just remember at the back of my head, there's this process of printing fish. So I tried it out, just found some scrap paper. And the only one I could find was green, green scrap paper. And then I raided the fridge, found some food dye, applied ink, um, did a bit of an experiment, and uh, that started my geotaku journey. Wow! Um, I've got I've got it here. I'll show you. This is the first print I ever did. So for my first geotaku of a Australian Jewfish. For guys that are just listening and not looking, because this video will be up on uh, YouTube if you want to go and watch it. Um, he's just showing me a laminated. Uh, sort of a, 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 I don't know how you describe that green paper, Derek. It's definitely distinctive. And then it's crepe paper. Yeah. <laughs> but a beautiful um, doofish, which is D-H-U-F-I-S-H in um, Western Australia. And they are perhaps one of their most um, celebrated fish, I guess, demersal fish down there in the sort of the more temperate end of um, WA. Would that be correct? You bet. Everyone's to sh- Everyone wants to shoot a dewfish. Mm. I, I've caught them. I haven't shot them yet. Okay. And uh, a few months back, I vowed not to cut my hair until I shoot one. So now it's getting pretty long. <laughs> 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 that's, yeah. a good, that's a good challenge. I like that. <laughs> Sorry, maybe I should blame that on my beard or something. People would understand <laughs> Yeah, I still wow. haven't. I still haven't shot a wahoo yet. Isn't it funny that somehow we define, you know, how we are as a fisher, as a fisher of any form, based on what we haven't caught, rather than you know what we yeah. have. You know, like it's like yeah. that glass, that glass half empty kind of looking at it. Mm, yeah. Do fish? What mm. makes them so hard to find? Do you think? Um, I don't think they're necessarily hard to find. I'm just not a very good diver. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I don't have a lot of opportunity in the water because yeah. I don't have a lot of time. Um, we are down to two vets uh, at my practice, so oh, I'm wow. on call every other night and every other weekend. So oh, wow. the days I'm off, usually the weather sucks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh, my excuse is uh, not that much time in the water. Yeah. Um, the closest I have come to shooting one, um, I didn't shoot it, was... Uh, on on Adam Marie's boat, his uh, buddy of mine, he's got a boat, a little boat. Okay. And um, we were diving. I shot a banded sweep. I don't know if you had banded sweep over um, on the east coast. No, nah, they're a temperate water thing. Yep. Mm, yeah, I shot one. Down, the down, down south. Got, they do, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. I think it's yeah. the same um, sweep. Yeah, I don't mind sweep, actually. I, I, mm, I don't I, either. Steamed. Quite, steamed. Like delicious. It. Steamed. Yep. Yeah, there's quite a lot of things you can do with them. Um, just I, I like to have them whole so 
it's important to get rid of the black lining in the gut cavity if you're going to have them more. Yep. But anyway, so I shot this fish. Um, the spear got wedged in the reef. So went up, took another breath, went down to retrieve the spear and the fish, and a dewfish was munching on my sweep. <laughs> I didn't have a gun. So I went up and I said, Adam, go down there and get that dew place. And he did. He went down there oh, wow. and he shot that dewfish. So I claimed half of it. So... I didn't shoot it, but I had half of it. So that's the closest I got to it. Well, they are they can get pretty big and they are beautiful mm. and they're good eating. So I guess uh, those three things uh, make them highly sought after. Re- relative scarcity too, I guess. Like um, they are restricted I'm to... I'm pretty sure if you come down here and Bert takes you out, he'll put you onto one. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Bert, Bert came and met you the other day, he told me. Was that true? I went down to his shop down ah. south to uh, to pick up a cray loop, which, uh, ah, awesome. which was yeah a, a present from my sister in Sydney. Oh wow! That's so cool. I have no more excuses. I, I used to have this excuse: "Oh, this cray loop sucks. I can't catch anything because of the loop." So now I've got a really good loop, so no more excuses. He doesn't make crap gear, does he? There's not, not there's nothing like. Um cheap about what he what he makes you know in terms of quality of materials and stuff so yeah it's good game. Mm. so um you you're wa lobster you you like them you like eating them oh yeah yeah i i'm a sucker for seafood uh, full stop so yeah. lobster yes abalone yes sea urchins yes yeah 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 um i've been thinking of trying out uh sea cucumber yeah but uh, there's just so many things out there to eat that I. Well, one day I will. I haven't. I haven't experimented that way yet. But that's something I really like to try. Yeah, it's a. It's a I, I don't know whether I, I, I answered your question or not. Your earlier question. I sort of got diverted. About dofish. No, where earlier. Oh, the story. Uh, your story about where it all started. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Did, let's did go I, do that. Yeah, so, answer that. Did, so you were line fishing and. We were we were stuck there really, and you and you did your first giyotaku with the green paper with a doofus you caught on the rod, and I think that's as far along as we got. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I guess so. That's that's the uh, fishing fish kind of kind of part of it. So uh, who doesn't want fresh fish if you can um, if you can catch it yourself? It's the freshest thing you can get. Mm. Um, and I've always liked seafood, so I, I'd be curious about how it's prepared, etc. So I learned quite a bit from my mum and uh, from my sisters um, back home. And uh, I like to experiment with recipes, so I do a little bit of tinkering here and there. So that's how I got started into the, the ocean kind of things. Um, as far as spear fishing goes, is was that kind of the question? Yeah, where did that start? Where did that start? The spear fishing really only started in two thousand and nineteen. Wow, two thousand nineteen. Yeah, that that's the year I went to um, Ahmed in Bali. Mm. Um, I did a spear fishing course with uh, Kev Henry at Fusion, and um, I shot my first fish there, and it was a triple tail. Okay. So I like to mark my spear fishing journey with that fish. Okay. Um, prior to that, I had no clue about free diving spear fishing. Before that, uh, I 
I had seen magazines of uh, Spiros in deep water holding huge fish, and I thought, you guys are nuts. I'm not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, a friend of mine, um, his name is Lei Ng. He's the first Spiro I ever met, and uh, I thought he was crazy, but he kind of conned me into a cray dive with him one day. Okay. So I went out with him, and... I was amazed at what he could do, how easy he got down to depth, how long he could stay down there for. Um, but I didn't contribute to the dive. All I did was held onto the bag. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I didn't catch any craze, obviously, because I couldn't dive. Uh, he caught everything, but we still split everything in half. Yeah, I got interested from there. And yeah. that's why I went along and uh, did the spear fishing course um, and, in Ahmed Bali. And how good was the course? Um, how, oh, excellent. So you, yeah. st- you started like you couldn't even dive and, you, and where did you end up at the end of the course? Um, I almost get, gave up actually because uh, I, 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 I think I had this fear factor in me about the depths and I couldn't, I couldn't feel comfortable at depths. Hmm. Um, he does the Molchanov's uh, system, so you need to get to 15 metres. I, I couldn't hit that. Um, but uh, he was good enough to say, all right, let's uh, don't worry about this for now. Just come back tomorrow or another day. I've got more students coming. Just try and hit that depth another day. Mm. Uh, so I almost didn't go back. I was like, oh, this is so hard, etc. But I just kept going and uh, kind of surprised myself. The next attempt, I hit 17 and a half meters. Wow. That's phenomenal. So, that was without a gun. So I think just free diving without anything is so much easier. Oh, 100%. Uh, 100%. Yeah. So I haven't been down to 17 and a half since then. Um, I'd like to get down deeper just just to experience what it's like down there, not necessarily to shoot fish. but yeah. uh, I think there's a lot of, like, there's both anxiety about going deep, but then there's also hang-ups people have about having to dive to a certain depth to be considered you know, an effective diver. I, I, th- I think it's all kind of false metrics. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's a slow and steady progression. I mean, if you're, if you don't have much time, time and opportunity to get out, then you, you can only progress so fast. So, yeah. Yeah. So you're a bit older in life too, and a bit wiser too. Like if you had tried to do that when you were younger, would it have frustrated you more? I don't know. Mm. Um, I do wish that I had started earlier in life though. Yeah. Because I think, I think the age factor does uh, come into play. I okay. don't feel as uh, energetic. I don't think I, have, <laughs> I don't feel I have enough energy to keep up with these young guys. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe it's just an excuse for not being <laughs> not diving well. But, I've yeah. got, I've got, I, I do feel the aches and pains now. It's uh, I'm getting on a little bit now. So I've, I've got to make Gav, and he comes diving with me every now and then, and uh, he he must be approaching sixty. But it's hard to tell. Um, he's Chinese, but he was brought up in uh, the uh, PNG. But he um, – it's very hard to tell how old he is, you know, but he, he must be nearly 60. And he does all sorts of dirty things to slow me down when we dive together. He he hung a flasher from my float last time and then shot fish off the back of me <laughs> while I was swimming up into current, you know. And uh, oh, no. <laughs> I think sometimes you swim with the older guys and they just do things a little bit smarter and it makes you go, oh, you prick. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 2019, you st- you started off. You did this um, spearfishing course. 
What kind of practical spearfishing skills did you get out of the, the course you did? Um, it was very good, actually. It went through the different kinds of guns. So from the uh, conventional band guns to roller guns. And it has this thing called a dragon roller. Okay. Yeah, it's an inverted roller gun. So different types of guns, uh, stalking methods, target practice. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so we did quite a lot. So I was pretty happy to be able to shoot a fish on, on that course. I shot some Rainbow Runner as well. Oh, uh, awesome. Much harder to hit because they're fast, so fast. and they're small. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw a Barracuda and uh, had a go at it, but out of range. Yeah. The water was really clear and it was way out of range. Yeah. I've heard it's a really good place for doing a course, like uh, particularly freediving courses because you've got access like with the advanced courses to a lot of depth if you want it and it's all pretty easy, I heard, like in terms of mm. access and stuff. Yeah. Well, Kev ran Fusion out of Ahmed Bali, but I'm not sure if he's still there. I, thought, I think he's moved his operations to somewhere else. Okay. So, of course, something you recommend to others who are starting? Yeah, I do. But I'm not sure whether – I have this feeling that if I had done more just leisure free diving with uh, my buddy Lei um, and got more under my belt before I did the course, whether it'd be easy or not, possibly, mm. I'm not sure. My daughter, Charmaine, recently did a course as well. Okay. And the, the, the gear taku thing, well, let's get back to that for just a sec. So you've got a, you've got a showroom there. Where, is that at the back of your house? or? Um, this used to be the music room. Uh, my kids were really into music. Uh, Charmaine's uh, a singer. Well, she was a singer. Now she's a marketer. <laughs> <laughs> and my other daughter, Laura, um, was into cello. Okay. So this was a music room before, and uh, now that they've moved out, um, I've converted this into a showroom. Wow, wow. So it's, it's just, just at home, so it's nice and convenient. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Mm. And, and your wife's happy about that? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, no problems. That's yeah. awesome. Well, some of your work's beautiful, man. Um, let's talk a little bit yeah. about gear, Taku. So, like – I always, I always, those the red stamps intrigue me. That it's obviously like a maker's mark. Is that what it is? That is, uh, it, well, yes, it is a maker's mark, but it is, uh, it spells my surname and my Chinese name. So I've got Derek as my uh, English name, and then the stamp is my Chinese name. Mm. Um, I feel that without the red stamp, it's. Uh, let me put it this way. I think the red stamp and the signature uh, adds a lot of drama and a lot of yeah. class to a work. Me too. So if you were to do a piece of gyotaku, if you want to add that, just uh, draw up a, uh, um, a square and try and fit Shrek in there somehow. My, red ink. my Chinese name is Da Huzi. Oh, okay. Yeah, Have yeah. you got... Yeah, I, well, you could, yeah, you could keep that in there. I lived in. I, I lived there for a year, so some of my friends gave me, you know, a Chinese name, and, uh, uh, and what I, does that mean? Big, big beard. The big, big green guy. Big beard. <laughs> okay, the big green guy. <laughs> and 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 Nan, Nantonghua, where I was, is it was Da uh, Huji, but Da uh, Huzi and and um, ah, oh, jeepers, I forgot the yeah, you Mandarin anyway, so. You, you sound like you speak Mandarin much better than I do. 
Uh, recently I had to relearn some because uh, I had a guy to, I had to help translate for for several weeks, but um, my Mandarin's terrible these days. But yeah. But anyway, back to the red stamp. Mm. It doesn't have to be a stamp. You just have to paint it in with red ink and okay. it'll look spectacular. So, so you, do you get the stamp made up though so you don't have to paint it every time or do you? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, carved out of stone. Oh, um, okay. I've got five sisters and one of my sisters uh, got that made for me as a present ages ago. Wow. So it's, um, you sort of um, dab it in ink. Mm. It's a kind of... Um, oil-based ink. Yep. And then you just stamp it on your work. Okay. So easy. Is it? Do you know where to get them made? Um, you can go online actually. Okay. Um, the online ones I think are more plastic. Ah uh, no. Nah. But the one that I got from my sister was made in KL, oh, Kuala wow. Lumpur. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I'm pretty sure Singapore there'll be somebody doing that in yeah. Singapore and. I'm pretty sure if you YouTube it, you'll find how to carve your own stamp out of stone. I always yeah, like, I, I like the red mark too. I agree with you. It adds drama, class, and touch to a, a and mm. a, and one distinctive blotch of color to an otherwise black and white uh, render. Yeah, that's right. And with, with your with customers that come and buy work off you, uh, are they? Predominantly water-loving people? Are they Spiros? Are they – you get a mix of all sorts of people? Like what's the sort of the demographic, people that come and look at your work? Predominantly people who have a uh, connection with the ocean, mm. mostly Spiros and line anglers. Some commissions I get are from people who have – who still, for example, somebody, uh, somebody still have fish uh, in the freezer, seven years in the in the freezer because the dad bought it and they just couldn't part with it. They were thinking of getting the fish taxidermied or cast, and then they saw my work. Yeah, and uh, they brought it over. Um, if you want to have a look at that, that's uh, those are the King George Whiting. Okay, is that on your your Instagram? Yeah, yeah. So you'll people, find it on my. Instagram. So if people go to. At, at D-E-R-Y-C-K dot Giyotaku, G-Y-O-T-A-K-U on Instagram. And they can check out Derek Giyotaku there, Giyotaku, and uh, have a look at the King George Whiting. So, okay, so you're doing commission pieces as well. Wow. Mm, yeah. Cool. And um, are people do people frame uh, sort of this artwork? Do they do they um, yeah. put it behind glass? What's a common sort yeah. of it is framed with a matte board, usually. I suppose the cotton ones you could get stretched. I haven't actually had anyone do that. Everybody likes a frame. Mm. And one of the characteristics of uh, rice paper is it crinkles and it creases. Mm. Uh, I do two mediums. Uh, one is uh, um, sumi ink on rice paper, so you get the crinkling effect. And the other one is acrylic on cotton. You don't get the crinkling effect. Personally, I like the crinkles and the creases because mm. it shouts out to you, hey, I'm an original, I'm not a reproduction print, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But for those who don't like that, uh, I have a process called Urauchi. Okay. Where it's a wet mounting process where you can flatten the wood after you've done the print and then it, you can smooth it out again. Wow. I'm thinking of making a video of that to uh, show how it's done one of these days. That's the next project. 
Yeah, you've got a you've got your own YouTube channel as well, which I forget about as well. And you've got some good stuff on there too, cooking and geartaku stuff. Um, materials, buying materials, rice paper, the ink. Where is good? Are you buying online? Um, Are there specialist supply stores? I don't know whether you guys have an Oxlade's uh, art shop over your way or X L A D E S. No, that's where I get mine from. Okay, but. If you go to your local art shop and they don't have it, I'm pretty sure they could get it in for you. Yeah. So it's uh, rice paper that comes in rolls. Yeah. And um, sumi ink. Sumi ink is made out of pine soup. Okay. Um, or you could use ink of India. You could even use squid ink. Uh, okay. whatever, whatever ink you want to use. But squid ink won't be archival it will deteriorate over time okay so for archival work i would recommend um sumi ink on rice paper okay. that will last ages i just love a functional and simple spear gun that i can trust when i pull the trigger kill shot spear guns utilize the finest of kiln dried burmese teak Killshot Spear Guns also combine American-made parts and fine craftsmanship to bring you accurate, reliable, and simple spear guns that you can trust fish after fish. Get $30 off any Killshot Spear Gun at KillshotSpearGuns.com. Yes and amen, Uber. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at KillshotSpearGuns.com. I'm really sorry for this terrible accent. Brought to you by Ed Martin at killshotspearguns.com. It's a match. You and Shrek liked each other. Now you can go spearing together. Imagine Tinder for fishing. Welcome to the Fishing Trips app. Today's partner, the Fishing Trips app, available on iOS or Android. Find yourself a spearing buddy. There's no reason to go diving alone anymore. Download the Fishing Trips app today. Function first, pretty design second. Penetrator's dual-action water-channeling rail provides more efficient action than similar fins by directing more water flow down the blade. This eliminates wobble, meaning that you get way more bang for your buck, for your energy buck. Visit penetratorfins.com, use the code NoobSpiro to save $25 on every pair, on any pair. That's correct, my friend. Use the code NoobSpiro to save $25 on any set of Penetrator blades at penetrator.com. And if someone wants to just have a go at it and for the very first time and just do, do one of their own fish, um, I've, got, I've got my fish in an esky. It's covered in a slurry. I get home. Where to from here? Okay. I'll, I can run your listeners through a uh, sort of uh, nutshell kind of thing. Mm. Um, so you get the fish out of your esky. It can be frozen fish as well. Just thaw it. Wash as much mucus off the fish as you can. You don't want mucus on the fish because the paper will tend to stick to it. After you've washed off the mucus, uh, pat dry with a towel. And even when you think it's dry, as dry can be, there's still some moisture. And to remove this residual moisture, um, I use a scrap piece of um, rice paper. And that scrap piece of rice paper will pick up the rest of the moisture, especially around the eyes, around the orifices um, around the gills. You okay. want it very, very dry. Otherwise, you get, get blots when you're doing a print. So after that, uh, after the pad drying, you get your ink, you dilute it to a uh, depth of uh, color or depth of 
black that you want. Um, a bit of experimentation here and there. Some people like it really dark. Some people like it quite subtle. So you're just diluting um, with water? Just with water, yeah. If you use sumi ink, dilute with water. If you use acrylic, dilute it with water. Okay. Um, and then you get a, a brush and apply the ink on the fish, but you avoid the eyes. Okay. Don't get anything on the eyes. Um, after you're satisfied, it's on uh, your ink is on the fish. You would then get rid of the excess ink because if you if you apply paper straight away, all you get is a black blob. Okay. So the the tricky part is to get the get sufficient ink away from the fish because if you don't get enough off, you get a very very dark print. If you take too much off, you hardly get a print. Mm. So to do that, I use a dauber. Um, I make my own daubers, two pieces of uh, cotton from okay. an old T-shirt. You just scrunch one up yep. and you uh, put it inside. Wrap yeah. it up in, with the other one yep. and there's your dauber. Ah. So I use it to dab the excess ink away. Okay. And once this is uh, saturated, just change it to another piece and another piece and another piece. Okay. You could buy daubers from your art shop as well. Okay. But um, I prefer to save the money for petrol for the skipper. <laughs> for <my> skipper. <laughs> yeah. So after you've, after you've done that, and this is one step I used to forget because I used to be, I, I'm always so excited to apply the paper over the fish. Yeah. This this, this next step is quite important. You cut out a circular piece of paper to put over the eye of the fish. Okay. Because when you're dabbing away, inevitably you will get some ink on the eye. Mm. And you don't want any black on the uh, paper where the eye is because you want a really completely white eye so you can add in the detail. Okay. So apply that circular piece of uh, paper over the eye and then position your paper over the fish. Okay. Um, then you would just rub it in gently um, everywhere, fins, uh, scales. And this is really difficult for cylindrical fish. Because yep. if, if you rub it in too far, and then when you pull the print off, it becomes a really, really fat, white fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't actually go all the way. So there's a bit, that's where, I suppose that's where the art yeah, comes yeah. in. Knowing where to stop. Um, so you rub it in, and then when you're satisfied, you peel it off. Mm. And you let it dry. And then after that, you add in the details of the eye. And then you put your stamp and the signature. Um, mm. The eye is, uh, you can you can do really simply simple eyes, and you can do uh, quite um, detailed eyes as well. Okay. I've uh, changed styles from simple to more detailed over the years. Are you brushing in the details, or are you doing it with a ballpoint pen? I mean, how are you oh, doing? no, with with a uh, paintbrush, very fine and, and ink. Yeah, and the tip is as many different shades of grey as you can. The more shades of grey you can put in there, the better it will turn out. I think your dog your dog got offended with me using a ballpoint pen. He was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Remy. That's a sausage dog. Yeah. Uh, he was, yeah. He's rightfully angry. He probably gets all no. the offcuts from your uh, from your gear taker work. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, I get I get most of the offcuts. He gets <laughs> some of the offcuts. <laughs> I, I like to use every part of the fish. It's, I know. Uh, I, I don't like wasting them. Um, lobster, uh, cuttlefish, 
octopus, some of these must be quite a challenge as well in different ways. Do you the have hardest, to? The, the hardest would be crustaceans. Um, I'm going to pull a crustacean for you to look at, if you don't mind. Mm, mm. So this is a uh, mud crab. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's that's friggin' phenomenal. So it's, The uh, difficulty with uh, this print is that I had to pull everything apart. Mm. Um, I printed this part first, and then I printed the legs individually. Wow. And where there's overlap, I had to protect the print with uh, cut-up bits of paper. Okay. Uh, so and you, then do you, do you, this was the last bit. Do you allow pieces of it to dry before you imprint the next bit? It dries so fast, actually. So uh, by the time you're ready to do the next print, it's uh, it's dry. So yes, but not for too long. So doing something with an exoskeleton, like, uh, you know, like how um, how how long is the process um, to, to do one? Like days. <laughs> really? Wow. wow. Yeah, because um, I sometimes have to wait for a Zen moment before I can continue you need to be in the in that frame of mind yeah, to yeah. Be doing. you can't you can't rush these things yeah yeah so yeah. these complex yeah. works can take days but uh the fish just takes a few hours mm. um not including the eye i usually do the take prints and then i'll do the eyes mm. on a separate day because i can't wait to eat the fish after that it's phenomenal yeah, yeah. yeah, and the good thing about uh, crustaceans as well is um, you can actually print them from the shell after after you've eaten, let, let's say, uh, crabs. Mm. You could actually get the meat out of the body, eat, yep. eat that part, and then just keep the rest in the freezer and pull them out and print them, print, mm. print the pieces as you like. Mm, okay, cool, cool. I mean that is a part of people's concern. I think when they do this, it's the same with when you when you um, plaster cast mount a fish or something like that. You often lose the the meat because it's been heated too much or and covered in something else, and all of a sudden it's not as appealing as it was before if you just had a fish. So mm. the the good thing about gyotaku is uh, I find the fish stays so cold. I think the application of the ink mm. and then the pulling it away. I think that's an uh, there's evaporative cooling going on there. Okay. And I usually do it at night when it's really cold. So mm. I haven't had any issues with uh, any of my subjects going bad. I've eaten everything. Do you dry age fish? Yeah, I do a little bit. I experiment a little bit with uh, fillets usually in the yeah. fridge. Yeah, me too. I, yeah, it's uh, it's good. It brings out the flavor. 100%. I love it. A lot yeah. of a lot of guys are hanging them whole though, you know, like just um, gilled and gutted. And uh, like you said earlier when we were talking about uh, the sweep, like you got to make sure you cut out all those obvious bloodlines and uh, and stuff like that. But the, yeah, you can have a really different result. Like even some fish that people think are not very good, like if you dry age them, they come up so much better. Mm, the flavor changes, huh? Mm. Mm, yeah, I like it. Have you thought about with your Gyotaku doing a full, like like recreating a scene where you've got, you know, like a rock maybe with some kelp and then an octopus poking out around a corner and a school of small bait fish? A friend of mine, um, Alex Ho, he's been he's been bugging me to do that, a mural <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. on the cards. Uh, yeah. That would be a big project. Um, 100%. 
I do have some big prints that I have printed a fish here and I'm waiting for an opportunity to print another thing here and another thing here. So not quite yet, but yes, it's on the cards. Okay, cool, cool. That's awesome. That'd be exciting. Um, it's already yeah. elaborate enough now. Are there any um, Instagram accounts that you follow to stay inspired and stuff with your work? Like who are the people that inspire you with Geartaku? The first person that uh, I found um, on social media, his name was Naoki, N-A-O-K-I. Okay. Um, Hawaiian guy. Okay. Beautiful work. Um, he does color. So check him out. It's okay. color versions of Kyotaku. Mm. Um, the other person I'm full of admiration for is uh, Dwight Wang. Okay. His Instagram is fishing for Kyotaku. Okay. And uh, his works uh, make mine look like kindergarten stuff. <laughs> <laughs> comparison, eh? Comparison is the thief of joy, but... Uh... There's a guy. Yeah. There's a guy in New Zealand who does kind of like a fusion. I think I don't know if he does Gearaku or it's just pen work now. Have you seen Tim Lee? Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, really uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, really good. I like all. Uh, of, I like all of it. I could have my my walls would could be covered in it. Um, I, yeah, I like there's it. a uh, there's a an artist down south from where I am in Busselton, um, Adam. Mm. Um, he takes prints and he will color in the uh, the head and leave the rest. Um, your taku. So if you want to check him out, that he's uh, he's known as Salty Bones. Okay. Oh, I know Salty Bones. I didn't realize yeah, he was so over by you. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, too. he's a different uh, different style altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that about art too, you know, like everyone, um, and the more you do it, the more nuanced your style gets. And uh, I've been following your stuff for a while though and I, I, I like oh, it. Thank you. I'm yeah, very yeah. honoured. Thank yeah, you. Cool. Um, and if uh, if your listeners want to try it out, I would recommend a fish that's relatively flat, mm. not like a tuna or a snapper. Snappers are really hard with the bump on the head. Yeah. Um, something that is sweet would be a good one to start with. Okay. Something, something nice and flat. The problem is with a lot of sparrows is that they would want to do a species that was like a fish that they'd been maybe hunting for a long time. So they might want to try something a bit more elaborate. But what you're saying is sometimes like a job fish has got quite a round profile. That Cylindrical would, profile. Yeah, yeah, so that would be really difficult. Is that what you're saying? It's um, tricky because if you – you've got a cylinder like that. If yeah. you take your print from here – to there, mm. when you pull it apart, it's going to be too wide. wide. Yeah. So you've got to account for that and just maybe rub it to um, there and yeah, there. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So maybe like a, touch. I'm thinking like in Queensland here, a species that is quite hard to get on the spear, but also doesn't taste as much, as well as other fish, like spangled emperor. Uh, might oh, be you don't awesome. like spangled emperor? Not really, no. Nah. Uh, I so don't mind them. Maybe I'm just cooking them wrong. Like, um, how do you cook them? My my favorite is um, the uh, tempera. Okay. Oh, we're going to talk about tempera. Try your next one with, with my tempera recipe. Okay, yeah. I've got your tempera recipe. So in 99 uh, Spiro Recipes, we'll, we'll, let's talk about that, Derek. Um, and we were going to talk about your tempera. It's not a tempura. It's a tempera. Yep, yep. Tempera is uh, nyonya, peranakan. Um, that's that's a culture that's a mix between uh, it's it's the result of the intermarriage between um, the Malays and the Chinese. Wow. 
so they're called the Peranakans and the Baba and, no, uh, and Nonyas back home. Okay. Um, so, yeah, tempura, not tempura. Tempura is uh, Japanese. Tempura is uh, Peranakan Baba Nonya. So you have a recipe in the book. Uh, um, uh, this is one of many, by the way, but this is coral trout wing in a tempura sauce. Yep. Walk us through a tempura sauce. What's the, what's the process? The fish, before you go to the sauce, uh, the fish is usually fried. So okay. I like to just season with salt and pepper mm. and then coat with uh, corn flour. Corn flour gives it a crispy uh, finish, which I really like. Do you need and a... So you set that aside. Do you need a... Oh, so just corn flour? Yep. Okay, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So do you pat it dry Pat it dry first, obviously, and then... Yeah, not, you don't have to be pedantic about the dryness in okay. this case. Uh, it can be semi-wet. I, you don't want it to be um, soaking wet, but yeah. yeah, you do pat it dry a little bit. Okay. Um, the sauce is really simple. It's, uh, it's just um, oil, heated up oil, and then you um, fry some cut onions in there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, minced garlic. And then you add in sugar, soy sauce. We use calamansi lime here. Mm. I don't know whether you have calamansi lime at your place. It's a really small, small lime and um, tastes a little bit different from the green limes that we get. Okay. But you could use lemon or green lime. Okay. And then adjust that to your taste. And then uh, pour that over the fish, over the fish, and then garnish with. Uh, uh, coriander, if you like coriander, some people hate coriander. Oh, I love it. My daughter Laura hates coriander. One thing I learned about cookbooks is um, in America they call coriander cilantro. Um, yeah, cilantro. Coriander is still coriander, but I think it's like the dried, dried coriander is what they call coriander. Oh. Yeah, but cilantro is coriander. So when the Americans dry it and put it in a bottle, it's called coriander. Yeah. But if it's fresh, they call it cilantro. I think so. Yep. And, uh-huh. I, and spring onions over there, they call scallions. Ah, uh, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so they're like two of your staples in so much seafood. Um, yeah. But for right. the people and that – And then cut chili. Yeah, yeah. Oh, chili's so good too. For, the, for, for, for some of the people that hate coriander, I'm just going to quickly tell them like at least half of the recipes in the book don't have it in it. And normally coriander or cilantro, depending on what you call it, is, is optional anyway, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't add it in when Laura's coming over for dinner. We'll have it separate. <laughs> and just add it in as we go along. <laughs> the compromises yeah. we make, eh? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Awesome. Mm. That sounds awesome. So you're basically just shallow frying your and you and you like a smaller fish with the corn flour on it, and then it's this tempera sauce that you just pour on as it's scalding hot. Yes, that's right. And you yeah. gar- you're just garnishing with coriander and chili and stuff. Mm, yeah. And oh. it works with so many other things, yeah. that sauce. Uh, you, you could do tempera this, tempera that. That doesn't really matter what the protein is, um, any seafood. Uh, same with the sweet and sour recipe. You can use that on even abalone. Shrek, dude, you're killing it on the Noob Spiro podcast. Every guest you get on froths on the spearing lifestyle, and the actionable info is off the chain. 
Over here at uh, Spearing Magazine HQ, it's the same, buddy. So many noobers are submitting their adventures, lessons learned, and pictures here at SpearingMagazine.com. I just wanted to say that noobers can get an international subscription at SpearingMagazine.com. Also, they can uh, check out our In the Face apparel or get a subscription to the greatest Spearing Magazine on the planet. That's all right here at SpearingMagazine.com. I am Jeremy Gamble, and uh, man, I love the Noob Spiro podcast. This is Jeremy out. Equalizing problems can be something that derail you. Not today, my friend. Go to freedivingfamily.com. Check out the, either the Frenzel and Advanced Frenzel video or the Mouthful and Deep Frenzel Equalization course at freedivingfamily.com. You can use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. These courses are put together by Adam Stern and a select team of, of, of legends. And to help you overcome different issues and help you perform better. And some of them are extremely relevant for freedive spearing. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Friends, check out oldmanblue.com.au. It's quality made dive gear right there in the Western Australia by a really cool team. The Old Man Blue team are a very experienced bunch of frothing spiros that live the life and have done so for a number of years. Check it out at oldmanblue.com.au. Are you partial to a beverage with your seafood dish? I'm a teetotaler. Are you? Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. my New Year's resolution is to start drinking. So <laughs> my New Year's resolution <laughs> was to stop drinking. We're at opposite ends here, buddy. <laughs> Uh-oh. That tempera, I was thinking like that would go well with like an Asahi, uh, which is Japanese beer. So One of the reasons I like your uh, 99 Spure recipes I really want to encourage uh, people to take less desired species to take the pressure off the dofish so I can shoot them. <laughs> no, just to yeah, make use of um, more of the less desired species because I think the popular species are facing so much pressure. So hopefully they'll look at my recipes and try it out. Um, Spreading our efforts is, is, a, is, a, is a great idea. Um, and I, I hear you, and it's a worthy ideal to aspire to, I think. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, a couple of other Derek's other recipes. I'm just going to have to read you a few. We've got Assam King Prawns, uh, Sotong Bakar, which is like a barbecue um, squid. Derek, interrupt me if I, when I butcher these too bad so that you can't even No, understand. you're doing perfect. Uh, i got sweet, yeah. sweet and sour buffalo brim. We've got a soy sauce steamed yeah, snapper. That's <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have a buffalo brim there? Yeah. yeah. Th- let me just look it up. Uh, I don't think so. It's a drama. It's a silver oh, drama. Okay. okay. Uh, Kyphosis Sidianus, I think, okay. might be the one. Yeah, it's a but, silver, silver drama. Yep. But people yep. people over here just look down on buff brim, and uh, if you put one in a boat, you're probably going to get in trouble most times. <laughs> is it is it Kyphosis Sidianus? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, silver drama. Yeah. They get huge over here, but nobody targets them. They're yeah. beautiful to watch. Yeah, I think it's because, yeah. like, what one of the new mistakes with a lot of these weed-eating type fish is that you, you, you shoot them, you chuck them on your stringer, and then you don't do anything with them until you get home. And then you either, you know, like your partner's home or something's wrong, and you gut it in the kitchen sink, and they just stink. Yeah, yeah. 
That's a no-no. I cut them immediately and I yep. scrape the black lining off immediately. Even if you're going to just take the, the fillets, I would still do that. Yep, me too. Um, the other looked down upon fish over here is the dusky morwong. Yep. A lot of them around. The, these two fish, I think people don't like them because when you fillet them, the flesh is gray and mm. looks unappealing. Mm. But when you cook them up, the the flesh turns white, and you can you can just uh, ignore the fact that they were gray to start with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you d- I don't know. Like if you if you only have two ways of cooking fish or three ways of cooking fish, then uh, a lot of fish is shit. Like it, it, because you're going to start comparing your two ways of cooking it with all of the range of species. Like I think sometimes you, you're better off using some alternative techniques with some of these less desired or less desirable fish. Yeah. So. Yeah, agree. Yeah, it, um, different styles suit different fish better. I would say. Mm-mm. I like some of the other ones you put in here too. Like you got an abalone recipe, you got a chili mud crab, you got octopus tom yum, and a uni linguini. Um, uni or kinna or sea urchin is uh, is quite intimidating for a lot of people, and I don't know that they actually eat that well in subtropical environments. Um, talk to me about your sort of experience with 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 sea urchins. The urchins I used to uh, not know where to look, but uh, a friend of mine uh, showed me a spot and um, it just got better and better. Um, Bo Yong He, that's his name. He's one of the guys who helped me get started um, in uh, spearing as well. He's a really generous guy. He gave me his uh, cartel wetsuit. Wow. It was five millimeters, but I think it's down to three now. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> he gave me a carbon barrel. It's a Rob Allen uh, oh, 110. Wow. Uh, he gave me a Seagull Sub um, roller head. Wow. And uh, I bought a, uh, a trigger mechanism and um, handle from Darren. Darren Atkin at Spiros. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Didn't know how to put it together, so I needed help with uh, that. And uh, another friend of mine, Nathan Go, he helped me a lot putting the gun together. But anyway, so with sea urchins, once you know where to find them, um, you can find them quite easily. And our season here, you can only collect sea urchins during the abalone season. Okay. So for Perth Metro, they only give you four days every year. Oh, and wow. that four day, those four days are just um, they they will pick four Saturdays for you, mm. and you have to be in the water by seven, and you have to be out of the water by eight, one hour, wow. and you can get your fifteen rose abalone, and you can get your twenty abalone in that time period. Sorry, so, 15, fifteen abs and twenty urchin, is it? Yeah, the rose abalone are the smaller, smaller abalone. Ah, uh, okay, yep. Okay. And you can get that in metro waters quite easily. Okay. Um, so urchins, um, I've tried a few species. Uh, you know the ones that look like landmines, those slate mm. <laughs> urchins or pencil urchins. Mm. Um, I've tried them. Um, they're not that great. So I and there's an there's another one that's uh, really dark black and really spiny. Yep. Uh, long spines. I think they call it the spiny long spine urchin. That, that, that one I haven't. Tried. There's not many in. There's not much row in those ones, to my understanding. I don't, no, I haven't. I haven't found many anyway, so I haven't actually tried that. But the ones that I go for are the purple urchin. Yep. Um, they're called purple urchins, but they can be green in color. Mm-hmm. But um, 
most of the time, the ones that are purple in color tend to give you more um, row in there. Okay. Unfortunately, our urchins here are nowhere like the ones in New Zealand. Mm. They're not that big. I've seen videos of people just scooping them off oh, yeah. the rocks, open areas. Yeah. We don't see that here. They're under the caves and they're wedged upside down, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I tried that and I liked it. And there's many ways to eat it. You can have uh, urchin on toast, buttered toast. Mm. You can do a sushi and put it on top. Mm. Uh, you can make a linguine and spread it around in there. You can make a chawan mushi. So, so many ways to do it. <sighs> it's making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> you like urchins too. Oh, I do, yeah. I like them. Uh, with, yeah. I, I have had them up here though, uh, where they're like out of season and they just – they're just not the same. Like um, it's a temperate water thing, I think. Uh, I, I'm happy to be proven wrong, but uh, I think uh, they like the cooler water. As soon as the water seems to breach 20 degrees Celsius for too long, I think I don't know, something changes. Um, I don't know. Our water temperature metro now is 23, and they're still all right, but maybe I haven't tasted great urgings that you have tasted. So mm. what I don't know, I'm not missing. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Maybe maybe I'm way out of line as usual and someone will prove me wrong, which is great because <laughs> that's how you learn. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what, this cookbook has been a big learning curve, you know. Like I'm very much, you know, like this book was written sometimes for a need I have, which is like, hey, I've got three, <laughs> I've got three or four good recipes that I just slam over and over again. How about and I get out of my comfort zone? Oh, more, more, yeah. There's probably going to be 150 recipes in the book. Um, more than 170 got submitted. Just some of them, just the photography is not quite good enough for a print quality book. And we're also running out of space. Like we're just, like the page count on the alpha version was just getting out there. Like we're already over 300 pages or something. We're going to try and compress oh, wow. that and add images. And that's without images. So it's um, my, uh, my designer's looking at me and grinding his teeth and going, come on, we're going to cull a few of these recipes. And I'm just like, it's too... It's too it's too hard to cull them, you know. Like I just want them all to get. Yeah, in the book, so. I, I know it's like photos. You don't know which ones to delete and which ones to keep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad some of these decisions aren't mine, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have that dispersion of responsibility. So, back to your spearing journey, Derek. What what what's um? So you've had a few helping hands along the way. It sounds like someone's helped you to build a gun out of different components. That's kind of special in itself. Like having a gun that's you can't really buy off a, off a shelf anywhere. You've, it's been put together by yourself. Walk us through that spear gun journey. I, uh, I like building things. I, mm. I like making things. So um, that was really fun. Um, getting the rubbers correct was uh, one thing I struggled with. It was not powered enough. So <laughs> you could actually see the shaft go in slow motion. And then you can <laughs> see the fish swim away. <laughs> so... Nathan uh, played a, a big role in uh, helping me with uh, that, plus the knots and so on. Yep. Um, my first few knots just pulled out. Yeah, easy. Know, wishbones. I didn't do it hard enough, so mm-hmm. he said, oh, you got to tie the ends of your, what's Di- that knot called? D- Dyneema constrictor. Constrictor knot. Yeah, you tie it to your um, bull bar and then you use a... Uh, you, you use a screwdriver to grab the other end. It just pull until the car moves. So yeah, that's yeah. how that's yeah. how tight it's got to be. We've all we've um, all we've all made some rubbers that have pulled though. So you're no different yeah. than any of the rest of us. I think. Um, yeah, sometimes you've just got to keep experimenting until you get it right. Yeah, 
And rollers are so hard to load. I just couldn't do it. So I use a load assist, a Rob Allen load assist to okay. load those guns. And in terms of like pulling the power back into your chest, has that been okay? Like have you got a decent chest loading pad in your wetsuit? Yeah, um, that cartel wetsuit, um, well, when I first started off, this was red and sore. Yeah. But I think it's uh, sort of toughened up a little bit now. Yeah, cool. And uh, I recently got a new wetsuit because it was starting to get a little bit cold. So I'm I'm reserving that cartel for summer dry- diving now. So winter diving, I'm now using a um, Aussie Reels uh, five millimeter suit. Oh yeah, yeah. Barry um, suit, Barry, Barry suits look good. I've I may have yeah. one, I had one. So yeah. Yeah, Ma- Yamamoto neoprene. Yeah. Very warm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, liking that. Yeah. Um, so the gun. I'm using a seven millimeter spear, mm. uh, 150 centimeters in length. Yeah, and I'm still uh, I'm still on the um, float line um, apprenticeship. I haven't moved to a reel yet. Nice. Um, Charmaine and Laura, my daughters, bought me a reel, but I haven't fitted it on yet. Yeah, I think um, I think that's wise. But I have heard talk from some of the WA guys that dive in current, and they they complain that a lot of their diving is in caves. And then, so that's why yeah. they they definitely prefer the reels. I think caves are kind of like they're they're definitely more advanced diving. You know, like you can poke your head in and you can have a look. But if you half your body's going into the cave, you're starting to do something a little bit different. You really want someone on the surface that's watching you and you know looking after each other and like because yeah. um, panic yeah. in an enclosed space when you're holding your breath and you're ten meters down is a real thing. So um, it's I'm a, just. I'm just starting to uh, be brave enough to venture into caves now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to be so terrified. But just the other day, the search was up and I was stuck in there for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one of your podcasts, uh, Don't Panic. So I didn't panic. <laughs> I managed to get out of that one in life. So yeah. that was good. Nice. Having having a, a buddy who's watching you, but like, like you say, when you're in the surge conditions too, it's pretty hard to keep an eye on each other when you've got all that white water. Especially so. when the vis is bad and you can't see the bottom, that's yeah. that's really hard. You just have to follow the bubbles. <laughs> Do you like the if the, there's any bubbles? The Perth Metro diving. Are you doing a lot of shore diving, or is it a kind of a yeah? Mix? Okay. I don't have a boat, okay. so a lot of my dives are shore dives. But when there's an opportunity, I jump on it if I have the time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you and I nearly did this interview in person. I was nearly over last year. We had the I had it organised to come and visit you in your uh, in your art room there, but um, uh, yeah, I was so heartbroken, but no, it's happening. That's that's all good. Yeah, hopefully this year maybe. Yeah, we'll see about yeah. we'll see about these Western Australian hard borders because uh, you guys have got a beautiful part of the world like right on your back door. Well, I think you guys have a beautiful part of the world, but yeah. uh, I guess the grass is always greener on the other side, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think both both coastlines face inclement weather, and everyone sort of thinks that everyone else has got better vis and conditions than they do. And um, I think because of the East Asian uh, current, like the water over here, is potentially more nutrient dense than over there. But you've also got more sparsely populated coastline too. So, uh, like both are amazing parts of the world. I think Western Australia and uh, obviously the Great Barrier Reef are. Two things that make this country very special. Um, 
and we're very yeah. we're very spoiled, very blessed to live where we live and, and have the opportunities that we do. So, when you're starting a spearfish, there are a number of obstacles, and some of them are financial. Doing a freediving course is something that I've always recommended on this podcast. If you can do a freediving course with a Spiro, even better. But some of us can't even afford that. I've got good news for you today. You can do a freediving safety course for free at noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. This course is brought to you by Ted Hardy from Immersion Freediving. He's got a passion for helping Spiros to die safer, smarter, and have more fun as well. This freediving safety course is practical and it's free. Check it out at freedivingsafety.com or go to noobspiro.com forward slash Ted and you'll find it there as well. Again, it's a free course, just teaching you the basics of freedive spearfishing safety. Check it out, noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. Killfish with precision and power, sending shafts from a stable platform with Killshot spear guns. Made in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin, you're buying American-made dependable spear guns. Get $30 off any Killshot spear gun at killshotspearguns.com. Yes and amen, Nuba. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at killshotspearguns.com. It says if they're in the shop or on the phone, they can cash in by saying, crikey, mate, or the Noob Spiro podcast sent me. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com, based in the Florida Keys. Got a sweet deal for you today, guys. Go to freedivingfamily.com and learn from Adam Stern and a select team of experts on different disciplines. There's Frenzel, Advanced Frenzel, Hands-Free Equalization, Mouthful, Deep Frenzel Equalization, Bifinning Essentials. These are courses that will give you the 1% that will allow you to improve. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. Again, that's the code SPIRO to get 20% off at freedivingfamily.com. Thanks, Adam and team. Love it. So at the moment, Derek, you've been sparing sort of two, coming up three years. You're, It'll um, be three years in May, I guess. Yep. Cool. Mm-hmm. What's, um, what's one of your favorite species to hunt right now? And I'm talking like rock hopping around Perth Metro. What's one of your favorite species to, to find, hunt, and bring home? Uh, I don't. My favorite species is not obtainable rock hopping here, okay. unfortunately. Yep. Do you want me to pick another species that's yeah, obtainable? Yeah, pick, pick something that's obtainable for your Perth Metro yeah. driver. Okay. But maybe still um, quite difficult. Still quite difficult. Mm. Hmm. Something that you like hunting personally. Like that's a challenge for I you. Like, I like hunting easy things. <laughs> <laughs> I always like the challenge of spearing. Like sometimes for me, like job fish are like something that are always intriguing me, you know, like the, yeah. the, the right, I, I've got one for you. Okay. King George Whiting. Yeah. I, I love King George Whiting. Yep. They're so delicious, but they're so hard to mm. shoot for me anyway. Yeah. They don't let me approach. Maybe it's just my poor hunting technique, which I haven't refined yet. Yep. And uh, they're slender and uh, hard to hard to uh, shoot. Just mm. just a challenge. So you um, are you finding them on sand next to a bit of rocky reef and and sort of very small next, schools. Next to um, next to seagrass, actually. Okay. Usually, on the sand, next to a bit of weed. And how? I've only seen them. In ones and twos, but buddies of mine say that, oh, there was a school of 50. Um, you can oh, see wow. that. I didn't see them. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how are you hunting them now? And, like, give me even some unsuccessful hunt stories. 
Well, I've only shot one ever. Okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. It's a challenging fish for you. That's good. I, I think that was a fluke. I got it straight in the head. I, I brained it. Okay. But uh, it wasn't a spectacularly big one. Uh, but since then, I just have not been able to approach them close enough to take a shot. Do you think um, they're a species that lends well to hunting from top down or are you needing to be on level or below level to, to get I, I, I've spoken to people about it and uh, I think the it's 50-50. Some mm. 50% say from the side and 50% say from the top. Um, I think from the top because uh, I found that when I, when I do a dark dive and I try to approach from the side, they're gone. Mm-hmm. So if you're lucky enough to be able to dive down on top of them and put your uh, shot in straight away before they bolt, I think that's that's the best okay. way to get them. Yeah. Cool. Some species are vulnerable to it. It depends on their vision and how they sort of – what their main forms of risk are that they face. So they might be facing more predators uh, on a horizontal level, so they're not used to it. Like parrot are quite vulnerable to a top-down shot. I haven't really spent any time hunting King George – a, because they're just super hard to shoot because there's such a narrow profile. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and then B, you've got to shoot quite a few of them for like what's perceived as a decent feed. I always like shooting bigger fish. They get quite big here. They get, um, I think, a 50 cm one would be good size, but I've heard they get to much bigger than that, 60, 70. How big was the one you shot? 30 maybe. <laughs> cool, cool. Good enough just for me, yeah, just yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think sometimes the rewards and, you know, the amount of effort you put in too. Like I was having this conversation the other day. What do you think? You're quite happy to have an easy hunt. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really mind coming home without a feed actually. I'm just, I'm just happy to go out there and uh, go into my Zen mode and observe things. Mm. So quite often I come back with nothing and I'm still happy. Mm. So yeah. t- talk about your Zen mode. So, uh, like, your job and your lo- and your life t- lend to a, a fair bit of stress, as I guess as most of our m- metropolitan lives do. Yeah, so it's a roller coaster being a vet. Uh, some days uh, when you save something, it's, uh, yay, you're on a high. And then some days you, you just feel like a failure because you can't save something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, when I go diving, when I go down there, it's just zen for me. It's my zen garden, yeah. So you um you're short you're short diving you head out with a with a mate or by yourself what's your sort of most of the time I'll go with a buddy yeah but uh, I admit that I do go diving alone yeah because if I don't because of my time constraints sometimes when I'm when I have free time I can't find a buddy I don't want to waste that day especially if it's a good day yeah but when I dive alone I do it very conservatively and. Um, I don't bring my gun. I just go for a fun, free dive just to observe okay. and uh, just to chill out. Um, but uh, listeners out there, don't dive alone, <laughs> like they always say. Yeah. But uh, I've made it very clear to my family, to my friends, to my buddies. Uh, if I die out there, uh, don't blame the ocean, don't blame the sharks. Uh, I would have died doing something I really love. And, and that's far preferable to... I don't want to sound morbid, but that's <laughs> for me. That's preferable to uh, dying on a hospital bed, um, sick, or being kicked kicked in the head by a horse. I hate that. 
Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind feeding myself to a shark. I think, <laughs> I think it'd be quite, um, I think it'd be quite painless. Uh, I think the adrenaline rush and then it, it should be over quite quickly. Was that too morbid? <laughs> no, I, I think, I think I'll be honest with you. I think our culture tries to steer clear from death and dying. And yeah. we, we don't talk about it because it's uh, not something most of us don't want to reflect on our own mortality. We would like to avoid these conversations and just talk about all the shit that's fun. But I think like yeah. if you're going to talk about the stuff that's fun, it's, it's kind of good to at least um, think about and entertain the idea of death. You know, because it's coming to us all, regardless of who you are and where you live. Like it's yeah. just, it's certain. So um, yeah, I, I can exactly. I, I can hear what you say. Um, mm. And um, yeah, like there's lots of quotes that come to mind about you know, like people that never live. You know, like they yeah. they never live. You know? right. if, you, if you don't do anything, if you never go out and you never brave anything or never suffer anything or or do something, you know, that people consider maybe a little bit, you know, um, risky. Then you probably are not uh-huh. even you're not even living your life to the fullest. So, I think if you accept yeah. that level of um, of risk, then no, I don't think it's morbid at all. I think it's um, I think it's just honest. So yeah, so we we all have an understanding. Um, mm. My wife Cheryl lets me go out diving. She's not worried. It's um, good. My kids too, I think, and my the rest of my family. And uh, I think the worst thing is to go out with a buddy, and if uh, the buddy loses me on that watch and feels really bad after that. I think that's the worst thing that could happen to my buddy. Yeah. So all my buddies out there, if you lose me, don't stress. <laughs> we're, of, we're, we're talking about a lot about um, how to improve some of the visibility of buddies. I dived with a guy recently who dived a float line and he has a – because he's a deep diver, like talking 30-plus metres, and he, so he's running wow. a 30, 40-metre float line. And he has an, a, a, a high visibility yellow or orange ball, like a micro float the size of a golf ball, uh, 10 or 15 metres above the back of his spear gun. So generally you can see the direction his float line's going and then often you can just see the little ball, even if you can't see him because he's on the bottom. Um, that was a cool little way that I've seen around it. That's, Other- that's a great idea, mm. but... I wouldn't need that. I don't dive that deep. <laughs> maybe it, in yeah, maybe in ten meter. Another purpose, yeah. another one I'm seeing is like um, high visibility uh, and colours that don't fade out or shapes that are very um, obvious um, uh, embedded into the neoprene, like into the outer coat of the neoprene. So, like I've mm. even and this is still a proprietary idea. So if anyone steals it, it's mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like having like some sort of indication, uh, like a even an arrow uh, going up the back of your body, um, up to your hood, and it, it points in the direction that you're traveling. And you can oh s- yeah. yeah, you know, and you can see it from above. Now? Yeah, yeah. That, oh, that can... reminds reminds me of uh, the last Airbender. Did you watch that? No, it's I haven't seen that. Arrow no. on his head. <laughs> ah, there you go. Maybe I should call out the wetsuits or something and start my own brand, Arrowheads yeah, or something. And, uh, but um, but keeping track of your buddies, like it's a very real responsibility. And when you're in shit viz, it's it's just what happens. You lose you lose your mates and. But if, at least if you're on the surface waiting for them to resurface, you're you're, you're fulfilling you know the best of your. Uh, you know, your job yeah. to the best of your ability, so. Mm. Yeah, that's right. All right, so we've gone through the morbid shit. We're talking about losing buddies. What about funny stuff, Derek? Here's a delicate segue for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're very partial to uh, Pooh's poo yeah, stories. You know it. You know it. 
Oh, I Give actually me. have one for you. <laughs> All right, I haven't heard. First poo story of 2022. <laughs> yeah, Here we go. Poo story in the Welsh, right? Yeah. This was uh, Alex Checklich. He's actually the octopus whisperer down in WA. Okay. So if anyone needs uh, octopus, uh, look for him. And he he's he can get you some really good. Um, Octopus uh, pox as well. Cox. Uh, so, but this this wasn't related to uh, octopus because he said, yeah. and this was when I was still very new to it. Oh, he said, uh, let's let's go search for some craze because I told him I had not even caught a cray yet. Okay. And he said the conditions. I haven't seen conditions this good in years and years and years. So it was really flat, calm mirror. Mm. Um, so I met him. That was the very very first time I met him, <laughs> and uh, we went out. But I had. Tummy trouble. <laughs> so I said, sorry, Alex, you, you go in first. Uh, I need to do an aqua dump and I'll catch up. <laughs> so, so he goes down and um, when he was at a respectable distance, uh, I, I pulled down my uh, wetty and did my thing. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, there was no current. <laughs> and... <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't your well-formed brown uh, mullet. <laughs> it's more like floating clouds. <laughs> and it hung around the boat. And I was, I was desperately finning and trying to get it away, but there's no current. It just wouldn't go. And to my horror, Alex started coming, swimming back to the boat to look early. <laughs> and I was trying to... Stop, stop, Alex, stop. But he had done a duck dive. <laughs> and he surfaced straight up into my cloud. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Way to make a first impression. <laughs> so, so embarrassed. Uh, but he was a gentleman about it all, and uh, he didn't make a fuss at all. Um, so yeah. we had to move spots due to hygiene reasons. <laughs> <laughs> At least you probably, and, uh, you probably wouldn't have got no great whites. Sorry? No great whites on that dive. Yeah. Uh, and then I had mask issues. Mm. Um, water kept leaking in, and upon examination, it had the seal, um, the skirt had torn for some reason. Mm. So um, Alex, being the champ he was, he said, oh, You take my mask and you go and get that cray of yours. Uh, so, yeah, I had, I had not caught a cray ever before, and the conditions were great, so I accepted. And so I went to look for my cray and he made a few phone calls and I got my cray. Wow. Yay. Awesome. Went back to the boat. He took awesome shots for me. And wow. then he said, I've given uh, the shot a call. You can go and get a replacement mask. Oh, wow. And uh, he said, my wife's on the way down to the beach with a spare mask. So. Ah, oh, far out. What a gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much, Alex. Uh, you You did that all for me, even though... You pooed on One it. could say I pooed on you. <laughs> or I you sent me to it anyway. But yeah, yeah that, that was uh, yeah, forever does, grateful. Does he work in one of the shops? No, no, no. Not oh. at all. Oh, wow. Um, nah, he's, he doesn't. He just, he's just well connected, I guess you could say. Yeah, awesome. He knows the shop owners. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. What a bloody legend. Yeah. Far out. Alex, you can come diving with me any day, buddy. <laughs> 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 All right, we talked a bit about your dive bag. We've talked about your wetsuits and your spear guns. Um, Derek, what else in your gear uh, bag did you want to 
talk about for Perth diving. You've obviously got the old man blue cray loop now. Yeah, I'm using an old man blue cray loop now. Um, so I started off with um, Cressy Gara plastic fins mm-hmm. and um, I've switched all, all over to Carbonio GFT blades. Okay, yep. Uh, super light, really yeah. good. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Pathos foot pockets. Yep. I uh, got that from Darren at uh, Spiros. Uh, I wish I'd done it much earlier because it makes a lot of difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only uh, issue is the foot pocket is pretty wide and okay. I have, my feet are quite narrow. Mm-hmm. But Darren said try and uh, add some seeker flex to the socks. Okay. So I bulked up the socks a little bit so it's it's a better fit that way. Yep. Um, Some people like the pathos pockets and and they rave about them and they try and evangelize everyone, but a lot of people just stick with the, you know, the Mares or the, um, you know, the the Oma foot pockets that we all tend to use. But um, yeah, it's the biggest thing for me is the weight. I feel that the pathos ones are so light. Yeah. Okay. And. Um, because I'm not a great diver, I need all the help I can get. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, float-wise, I've got a Adrenal yep. 15 liter float. The bullet. And I used to have one of those floating float lines, but I've just ditched <clears throat> that and switched over to just Bunnings rope. Um, okay. Anywhere from, well, I spliced and um, anywhere from 10 to 20 meters, depending on the depth. Okay. Um, the thing I like about that is you can wrap it around your gun. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Neatly and just pass it back to the boat. But yep. with the floating orange line, it's uh, just a mess. Yeah, 100%. I'm using the Adreno FG knife yep. that's strapped parallel to the belt on the <clears throat> middle so that I can access it with both hands. Nice. I heard that from Noob Spiro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What else have I got? Mask, I'm using a uh, um, Ocean Hunter. Okay. And the snorkel is just a soft, I don't know what brand it is, a soft one. But you know what? When we go abalone hunting for that one hour and there's hundreds of people in the water, mm. we can't we can't tell where's my buddy. Mm. So we've color-coded our snorkel. Okay. I've got... I've got a red and a white electrician's tape over at the top of the snorkel. And that's a good idea. Buddy. That's a good idea. So that's how we kind of keep track of where Yeah, I like that. That's clever. That's my idea. You heard it. <laughs> DT, <laughs> trademark. Yeah. 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 Um, what else is in a typical gear bag? That's it, isn't it? Oh, torches. Are you using the torches? I mean, what bag are you putting everything in? <clears throat> uh, torches, did you say? Mm. Do you use a torch? Um <laughs> Boyong he gave me the torch. I don't know what brand it is. Okay. Uh, he's been so generous with gear. So yeah. um small one, a small profile, but bright enough. A Chinese company sent me one last year and they wanted me to do a review. And I did use it down in South Australia. It was bloody good. And then I gave it to my mate Cameron in Sydney and he uses it a bit. And then uh neither of us have written them a review though, Paul Buggers. Um but it goes all right. I can't even remember the brand. How bad is that? <laughs> 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 um, all right, cool. But then, uh, that's that's good for, for for gear, Derek. Let's wrap it up. Let's head on out with uh, Spiro Q and A. You ready? Spiro Q and A. Yeah, fa- mm. faster paced questions. Uh, bef- before we go there, mm. could I just uh, tell you about the the favorite fish I like to hunt? Because it's 100%. a bit of a sustainability thing. All right. 
Um, the mahi mahi. Ooh. They are just so beautiful to look at in the water. Yep. And, uh, you know the neon blues and electric golds, uh, and uh, great to print. Uh, very beautiful fish to print. Oh, that'd be fairly and, easy uh, to print too, I'd imagine. Yeah, that that'd be a good good one to start with. They're quite flat. Yeah, and they're delicious raw cooked. Um, but unfortunately, like I mentioned earlier, we have to travel fifty k's uh, to the fish aggregating devices here. Wow. find them. Do you guys have to travel that far over there? Sometimes, yeah. A lot of Morton Island spearing is 50k. It's a, it's a long yeah. boat run. You want good good conditions. Yeah. And uh, I've only ever shot one and uh, that was on Joel Badger's boat um, with uh, Marius uh, Mazi. Um, I was using a, a bus, bus bomber, a bus bomb style flasher to bring them in and uh, Marius was using one of those crack pipe uh, straw flashes. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty rough that day, and um, Joe was uh, gentleman enough to say, I'll just play body all day. So uh, <laughs> Marius and I, we he shot three, and I only shot one. But that was good. Very rough, but good fun. Yeah, so that's nice my fish. favorite fish to, to look for. I've only shot one, but I'd love to get more. They, um, yeah. I haven't shot too many of them either, maybe maybe 12 or 13 or so. I've never shot a, a big one though and um, they're an amazing fish to look at in the water as well. So super yeah, cool. It's, yeah, it's just amazing. I love it. G'day guys. If you're listening to the News Fair podcast today, it's probably due to the graces of the patron listeners. There's 48 patron legends that support the News Fair podcast on an episode-by-episode basis. This is I definitely have a no-begging approach. If you want to support the show because you love it, please do so. The funds come out on an episode-by-episode basis. You can support at three different levels. Go to patreon.com forward slash noobsparrow. Check that out. I'll be super grateful if you jump on and join some of the other legends helping to power the Noobsparrow podcast. Patreon.com forward slash noobsparrow. All right, Sparrow Q&A, faster paced round of questions. Here we go. Um, what is the spearfishing destination that you would most like to travel to and spearfish? New Zealand. Ooh. I want to get your kina. I want to get your power, <laughs> your giant lobster, and I want to swim in a vortex of giant yellowtail kingfish. <sighs> it's exciting, i got to tell you. I absolutely loved it, my experience there. It was, it's a special yeah. place, yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, who is the best person in your spearfishing buddies to go with and why? Mm, okay, it'll have to be uh, Le Ng, who got me into this ad- addiction to start off with. Um, <laughs> he's a great buddy. He instilled in me one up, one down. Um, and we share everything we catch, or rather everything he catches. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, he laughs at my dad jokes, so what more could you ask? <laughs> if you had to start all over again, what would you do differently? Uh, start sooner. I think I started too late at 49. I should have started when I was in my teens, but uh, I didn't know anything about spearfishing back then. Mm. Start sooner. Last question. Last question, but it's always a big one, philosophical one. Could you describe what the spearfishing experience means to you in one sentence? Spearfishing is my zen garden where I go and push my reset button. Nice. 
Zen Garden where I push my reset button. That's uh, that's awesome. It's a great way to think about it, Derek. I really enjoy your philosophy and I like how you use so much of the fish and you've taken to these other pursuits like Iyataku and and you're teaching the rest of us about it as well. So people can come and find you on Instagram. It's at Derek.Giyataku or at dinner.with.Derek. And you've got a lot of your seafood stuff up there. I know you're talking yep. about doing your own seafood cookbook. And from the 10 recipes you've submitted for 99 Spare Recipes, I can 100% understand why. I will buy a copy. I'll, be, I'll buy one of the first ones if you, if you ever put it out there. So, um, keep, Oh, thanks, Ray. I'll send you a copy. Nah, no worries, mate. Keep doing what you're doing. We need more people like you in spearfishing that are um, challenging us to think more sustainably, to use more of the fish, and um, and I don't know, like just be experimental and have fun with it all. So uh, it's awesome, Derek. Mm, thanks very much, Rick. It's an honour to be on your show. I never thought uh, I would ever be in this category, but I've been following you. I've listened to all your episodes. Oh, wow. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, is there any other way guys can connect with you, Derek, or uh, or reach out to you? Uh, pop by at the showroom if you're in Perth. I'm happy to talk about uh, Kyotaku. Cool, cool. Um, and spearing and cooking in general. Um, and uh, or the Facebook pages uh, like you mentioned earlier and the Instagram pages. Send cool. me a message. Well, I'll link up um, your Instagrams, your Facebooks, and your YouTube channel. If people go to noobspero.com forward slash DT, nice and simple today, DT, and then I'll have all of the stuff linked up if people can't remember it. Come and check it out. Join Derek. Follow along on his journey as he continues to master Giyotaku and seafood cookery. And uh, and uh, thanks for being part of the community, mate. Really appreciate it. No, oh, thank you, Shrek. You're a legend. Appreciate that. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed Derek today. He's a super cool dude. I'm really looking forward to hanging out with him when I head over there at some stage. Just going to get past this uh, the border closure stuff and then hopefully it'll be good because I really want to have a look at along WA. It's such a beautiful coastline and um, Derek's uh, like we've got a cool studio there. If, you, if you're in that area, if you're in the Perth metropolitan area, check out Derek Tan's studio. Follow along with him on Instagram. And uh, hey, in two weeks we're coming back. Travel spearfishing with Jerry Guerra from Neptonics. We get down and dirty and answer um, Noob Spirit community questions. We also read out their tips and advice and guidance. It's a community-based episode. Super cool time ch- uh, catching up with Jerry. And uh, as usual, another um, great episode. I-, I really enjoyed it. So come back in two weeks. Subscribe to the Noob Spirit podcast. Keep telling your mates about it. I love it. I hope you're enjoying it too. And remember to check out the Daily Dose of Spearfishing up on YouTube. Just short videos, um, like collations really, of some of the best videos getting around Instagram. And uh, I just add my 10 cents as usual. But uh, I hope you're enjoying it. And I hope you are enjoying the podcast too. That's it for me. See you in two weeks. Travel Spearfishing with Jerry Guerra. Cheers, guys. This offer is a literal no-brainer if you're a Spiro in Australia. Go to adreno.com.au. If you buy or spend over $200, you can use the code NoobSpiro to save $20 on every purchase over $200. Hook in, my friends, at adreno.com.au. Take advantage of a massive range 
of equipment. They've got flat rate shipping across Australia, hassle-free returns policy, and a price beat guarantee on any Australian spearfishing equipment price. Check them out at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpiro to save $20 on every purchase over $200. You can use that in-store or online at adreno.com.au. The Noob Spiro podcast is incredibly proud to be partnering with Neptonics.com. It's solid gear that works, equipment you can rely on. It's the very best in spearing gear from around the planet. Neptonics is also the one-stop shop for all your spearfishing gear, particularly in the US. They've got free shipping on all orders over $99 in the US. Furthermore, you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off on your entire shopping basket at Neptonics.com. Use the code NOOBSPIRO at Neptonics.com. Mm-hmm.